Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Tips for Change. I'm Tiffany Mutchler, the Marketing Manager at Voyage Federal Credit Union. As we continue to explore a new community of Vermilion, South Dakota, we've started to learn more about the University of South Dakota and the impact it has on the town. Today, we're going to discuss how to build a solid financial foundation for 2024. Joining us is USD Assistant Professor of Finance, Adrian Tippett. Hey, Adrian. Hi. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for driving up to see us today. Yeah, sure thing. We really appreciate it. Do you want to share a little bit about your background and how you landed in the finance industry? Yeah, um, I'll try to keep it short, but that's a long story. Um, I learned what interest was when I was eight years old, <laughs> and I've just been fascinated with finance ever since. So um, eventually went on to get a bachelor's degree in finance, followed by a master's. And then I was scared of entering the workforce, so a bunch of my friends were pushing me to pursue a PhD. Um, tried to get a PhD at Washington State, but realized I was not ready for that. <laughs> Took a six-month hiatus to live overseas and study 40 hours a week. Came back six months later, started at University of Texas El Paso. Got my PhD in finance there. Um, then set up a code in Python that said, hey, you might like to work at the University of South Dakota. <laughs> Ended up submitting my application and The rest is history. It. Here yeah. you are. And this is your second year at USD? That is correct. Yes. Awesome. So um, kind of diving into finance and um, the current economy, it's not great right now. Um, but in the current economic situation, what key factors should people be aware of to to navigate and build financial resilience going into 2024. Yeah, sure thing. So um, like you said, the economy isn't in a great state right now. And I think the main thing that people need to focus on is what's within their control. So focusing on their family's budget and their income and making sure to make cuts where they can, building up an emergency savings account. Once they have that emergency savings account built up, moving into paying off high interest debt and beginning investing on their own, it all starts there. And then there's a huge world of things you can do beyond that. But I say it all starts with the family budget. Sure. Yeah. What kind of fundamental financial skills do you believe are crucial for individuals to develop long-term financial stability? You talked a little bit about the uh, savings account and emergency fund, that kind of stuff. But how can they set themselves up successfully long-term? Yeah, sure thing. So um, I'll try to start with what I did whenever I first started or whenever I started taking finance seriously on my own. And I think this is something that anyone can do, so it's not too technical. What you want to do is you want to start writing down all of your expenses for the month. So every penny that you spend, whether it's you know paying for parking or giving a tip at a restaurant or you know making a donation, write down every expense that you have. And once a month, go through those expenses, see what you've done, and look to see if you really need to be making those purchases or if there are little places you can cut. And if all of your expenses are things you need, look and see if you can find cheaper alternatives. And by cutting that out, you can begin to build your emergency savings and expand from there. Spreadsheets. That's that's how you get through that, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> I, even if it's just pen and paper to start, that's that's great. It's just about building the habit of paying attention to what you're doing and being able to look back on it. But um, yeah, when I was working on my bachelor's degree, I had an Excel spreadsheet that was more complicated than it needed to be. It kept track of every 
penny I saved or spent, what account it came into, went out of, and I even had it calculating my annual my annual expected return from investments to my daily expected returns. I even had a savings ratio calculator. So it would tell me how much of my money I was saving versus how much I was spending. Um, you don't need to do all that. It's just keeping track of it, but you can add as much to it as you want. Sounds like my husband. He really nerds out about those financial spreadsheets. What advice do you have for recent graduates or those who are about to enter the workforce regarding student loans and debt management? Mm, that's a good question. If it's okay, I think I'd like to first talk to students who are still going through school sure, and still making yeah, those decisions. Absolutely. So um, I think that subsidized loans are a great tool. You can take them out, pay your tuition, and they don't start to accrue interest until you graduate. So if possible take out those subsidized loans, they're not going to hurt you. And you can use the money that you save from taking those out to start building your emergency savings and begin to explore with investing. Once you've exhausted subsidized funds, which most people do, you then start moving into unsubsidized funds. And it can be challenging, but I would encourage students to do everything they can to try and not take out unsubsidized loans unless they have to. So getting a part-time job or a full-time job on top of college can be difficult, but it's doable. Whenever I was working on my associate's degree, I had one full-time job, one part-time job, and a side hustle all at the same time as taking 15 to 18 credit hours. It's, it's hard, but you develop a lot of good life skills. It boosts up your resume, and you can use your earnings to help offset some of that college debt. And so avoid taking unsubsidized loans in the first place. Um, then for those who are already entering the workforce, I would say it comes down to whenever you get your first job and you start getting your paycheck, always set, pay yourself first. Um, have you ever read The Richest Man in Babylon? Uh, no, but I've heard of it. Yeah, that is my um, go-to finance book. It doesn't talk a thing about stocks, bonds, mutual funds. It doesn't touch any of that. It just talks about good, solid advice. And one of the lines in there that I love is pay yourself first. So when you go to work and you get your paycheck, before you start paying your landlord or your mortgage lender or you start paying the grocery store, take a minimum of 10%, shoot for 20% if you can, and pay yourself first. From what you have left over, make your budget fit that amount and use the 20% that you've set aside to start building your emergency savings. Once you have your emergency savings built up, it, it gets a little bit tricky here because you do need to look at the numbers a little bit. It, right now, I think student loans are running at about the 4.5% rate. I'm not sure. We don't actually offer them at Voyage. Okay. So, um, yeah, I'm okay. not sure. You would probably know more than we do. All right. Well, yeah. um, if if I remember right, I think unsubsidized student loans are currently running about 4.5%. So once you have your emergency savings built up, you have two choices with what to do with your savings. You can either invest it or use it to pay off debt. If you use it to pay off your student loans, you're essentially getting a 4.5% return if that's what your loans are charging or if you invested in the market, something like the S&P 500 over the past five years, I think has earned around seven and a half, or sorry, seven and a half percent per year. So mathematically, you would want to invest, but 
there's also an emotional cost to having debt. It, it doesn't feel great when you look and you see that balance there. And so it, it kind of depends on who you are as a person. Do you want to do the math and say, I'll take the higher return? Or do you want to slowly start wiping that debt off your balance sheet so that you can be debt free and have that freedom? Very interesting. How important is it for individuals to have a savings strategy? And what are some of the practical steps that they can take? You talked about paying yourself first. Is that your your ultimate that suggestion? Is, <laughs> that is the number one thing. Um, pay yourself first. And that's something you just have to do. I think especially um, this goes back to people who are just getting out of college or who are just starting college. When you first move out of your family's house, you might already be accustomed to that style of living that your family provided. And you have to realize that you can't always provide that for yourself because you had two parents taking care of you and now you just have yourself. So when you're in college, you're normally going to be living as cheaply as you'll live in your life. And so whenever you graduate and you move on from that, it can be tempting to start living a better life, yes. buying nicer things, <laughs> nicer foods, getting a Starbucks. Um, but if you can try to hold off, try to try to keep yourself at that college living style for just a little while, develop those good saving habits, build that emergency savings and slowly start diving into the world of investing. Lots of ramen noodles, right? Uh, yeah, I think um, <laughs> up until I finished at uh, Washington State University, my main diet was ramen potatoes and rice no salt <laughs> salt was expensive <laughs> not really in terms of investments what considerations should people keep in mind for a well-rounded and resilient portfolio i would say i think it's more about the habit of saving in the first place and just diving in if you go to a financial advisor and they have a mutual fund for you that's a good way to get started just go with a mutual fund that either tracks the S&P 500 or takes a nice healthy blend of stocks and start with that and as you build up diversify a little bit more make sure you have some holdings outside of the US and that'll just protect you from different economic shocks so if there's a new law that's passed that say restricts AI usage that's probably going to have a negative impact on tech firms but if you have a diversified portfolio across multiple sectors, it's not going to damage you as badly. Right. You won't take as big of a hit. In your experience as a college professor, have you seen financial education impact your students' abilities to make informed financial decisions? Are they succeeding? Yes. Um, I, I feel blessed to work at USD because we have our Coyote Capital Management Group, which is a student-led investment fund. And it is amazing what those students do and what they know. And sometimes it's not just what they're learning from the classroom, but it's what they're learning from each other because they get together and the senior students will teach the newer students and pass along the information. And I sometimes I'm amazed at the level at which they understand the market and they pay attention to what's happening. Um, I'll, I'll give a shout out to one of my students, Ryan, who um, just earlier this week gave a presentation for a portfolio that he was managing with his peers. And he was talking about how he took out a option straddle strategy with FDA approvals for Big Pharma. And um, I never thought of that. And it was just amazing how they put two and two together and work with each other to come up with these great ideas. Yeah, that's awesome. 
What role do you think financial literacy plays in promoting overall economic stability? I think it's vital because uh, a nation is just a sum of its citizens, right? Mm -hmm. And if people aren't financially literate and they're not protecting themselves from economic downturns and making sure that they can manage unexpected expenses, then it's going to result in people who are, you know, less stable. If a shock comes, they're more likely to lose their job because they're unable to repair their car and get to work. And that causes turbulence in the overall economy and it adds up. So I think it all starts with people understanding their budget, cutting costs, getting that emergency savings that helps them stay stable during economic downturns, and that leads to a more fluid economy overall. So yes, economic conditions can be very unpredictable, as we know. Um, do you have any advice, other than preparing for emergencies, for people to prepare for economic shifts and uncertainties? So... On top of the things that I've already mentioned, this this is one that I wouldn't say I'm as experienced with, but I know it's important and I have it. And that's once you have a full-time job and you're able to start building up and protecting yourself, look at insurance. It's it's not my favorite topic. I don't think it's anyone's favorite topic. No. But um, making sure that you have at least a baseline level of health insurance to help protect you from medical emergencies and life insurance to protect your loved ones if something happens to you. And I think having those safety nets in place is important. Looking ahead to 2024 and beyond, what trends or changes do you foresee in the financial landscape? My my head goes straight to industry and what the job market looks like more than on the consumer side. I know that with the rise of AI, such as ChatGPT, that is becoming a very powerful tool and anyone who's wanting to get started in the finance industry or really in any industry looking to go into the workforce i think learning how to utilize and leverage those tools to automate the mundane tasks that most people deem boring is important because you're going to want to start doing that so it can free up your time to focus on the bigger and more interesting challenges very interesting. I love ChatGPT, so <laughs> thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> sure thing. Um, so how can someone stay informed about the trends and um, the economic trends going forward? That's a good question. Um, I feel like my students these days keep me informed. But back whenever I was on top of it myself, I think just paying attention to the news, listening to what's going on. If you have a finance channel... Um, open it up. I know Cheddar has a business segment, Bloomberg, just listening to those and hearing what events are taking place. And even, for instance, when ChatGPT was introduced, it was widespread news, not just in the finance sector, but in the popular news as well. Whenever you know what's going on in the real world, all of those things affect companies and the overall economy. And so just stay alert to the things around you, whether it's through watching the news yourself or having a loved one or a trusted friend who regularly tells you information. <laughs> so do you have any final thoughts or key takeaways that you want to leave with our audience? I guess I'll reemphasize that it all stops or it all starts with step one, pay yourself first. Step two, establish an emergency savings that can protect you for at least three, preferably six months. So if something happens, you're protected from there. Start either paying off high interest debt 
or start investing and establishing a passive income that way. And outside of that advice, I would recommend reading The Richest Man in Babylon to anyone who wants to delve into the world of finance without having to deal with finance. (laughs) Um, It covers everything from learning how to ask for advice to understanding that we can control luck within a certain degree and, um, you know, taking advantage of opportunities when they come up. I think it's a great place to start for anyone wanting to better themselves. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Adrian, for joining us. This was really great. Um, And we hope to have you back sometime. And maybe we'll see you when we're down in Vermilion. Um, But yeah, thank you for joining us. And thank you for tuning in to Tips for Change. And we'll see you next time. (laughs) 